again, thank you for being with us again today. Uh, it's wonderful to be in your homes uh, as we have been over the last few weeks, and it looks like we're going to be doing this for, through the month of May. And so I'm just encouraged from all the responses that I've heard from you all. If you have any type of good news that has happened or maybe how the message has spoken to you, I encourage you to let us know about it. Maybe you can reply to the email or send us a message on Facebook or you can send, uh, if you don't have the email address, you can email us at info at livingabundantly.org just to let us know what God has been doing in your life. And so today we're going to continue in this series that we've been on talking about our emotions because we understand we're in totally different times and there's all kinds of emotions that have happened over the last month, the last month and a half that we've all experienced. And so we're taking some time to talk about those different emotions because what we need to understand is that emotions is something that were those emotions were put into us when we were created and I want us to have this understanding as we're talking about emotions they are not wrong we want to be able to deal with them in a proper and a biblical fashion as we face the different uh, seasons of life that we have uh, during this time as we are in quarantine and trying to figure everything out. Over the last couple of weeks, I've made a statement at the beginning that maybe we haven't questioned our love for God. Maybe we haven't questioned the fact that He loves us, but we found ourselves in a place where our emotions may betray us. And so with these different times, we want to understand that we can have emotions, but what do I do with these emotions as I'm quarantined, as I'm by myself? And so we're looking at a biblical perspective. What do I do when my emotions cause me to even doubt God? An area in my life that I have, maybe I thought I had it figured out, but now I realize that I don't. Well, that's what we're going to be looking at uh, as we continue in this series. And today, I want to talk to you about an emotion, disgust. Now that may be bringing all kinds of images to your head as we're talking about this. Um, maybe you've been disgusted lately by the fact that you have to stay home. Maybe you've been disgusted by certain people. Uh, maybe you've been disgusted by politicians. Uh, maybe you've been disgusted by your own family because you've spent so much time with them and you're learning new things about your family. Um, maybe you found yourself disgusted with people because of their political opinions, their lack of hygiene, that's a big word that we're using now, uh, maybe their personal views. Maybe you've been disgusted in the past with people, even before all this started, maybe it was their sport teams. I'm thinking of you, Chad and Hope White. Uh, but maybe you've been thinking about the different things that disgust you about people. In my lifetime, I've had to help injured people from time to time. And for those of you who know me, I can get a little bit squeamish when it comes to that, uh, including my own kids. There's been times where my kids have been injured and not to be too gross, but we're talking about disgust, right? But there's been blood, there's been scrapes, there's been scratches, and honestly, I get a little bit disgusted. I've been disgusted by certain foods at times. I've been privileged to do a few missions trips and I love some of my Jamaican brothers and sisters are tuning in and so I'm so thankful that you're watching today. But I can remember a couple of years ago, Stasha and I were down there and they were serving goat stomach soup. Now that's a delicacy in Jamaica and they love it. 
I can remember thinking, Jesus, help me. I'm not sure if I can do this, but you know what? He did. And of course, I can think of uh, my wonderful Jamaican brothers and sisters. They were laughing with us, laughing at us during that time. So there's all kinds of things that tend to deal with preference, but they can disgust us at times. You know what? You may have even found yourself disgusted because there are people who wear masks. Maybe because people are not wearing masks in the store. All kinds of things can bring us disgust. Well, I want us to look in Luke chapter 10 today, um, and we're going to see a story of an opportunity where there were a couple of people who were really disgusted with something that they came across. And so we're going to begin in Luke 10, chapter, uh, verse 25 here, and we're going to read this story, and then we're going to go back and read it through uh, another time as we go through the day as we break this down. So begin with me in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10, and we're going to go through verse 33 for the moment. It says, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. I want you to hang on to that verse there. Do this and you will live. Verse 29, the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with the story, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Have you been disgusted lately, maybe by the list that I just read through just a few moments ago or something different? I want you to think about this thought for a moment when it comes to disgust. Did you know that disgust is actually related closely to morality? Right versus wrong. There are things that disgust us that usually point to a moral issue, something that we agree with or that we don't agree with. Just think about that for a moment. Why are you disgusted at something? Why are you disgusted with someone? Well, usually because you disagree and it doesn't meet up to your standards, right? When things are not pure in our judgment, or maybe even according to God's word, we can be disgusted by it. Well, I want us to look back at the text in verse 25. It says, one day an expert and religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking this question, what should I do to inherit eternal life? See, that was the question. He was wanting to know how, could he, how he could inherit eternal life. And Jesus asked him a question, well, what does the law of Moses teach? How do you read it? And the guy gave a very good answer, this religious leader. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, 
all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, this religious lawyer basically is what he was. He knew the right thing to say. He knew that if he did this, according to Jesus' words, he would live. He would have life because of this understanding. But Jesus was about to open up this uh, teaching here to a whole new level. And he wanted to know, would this teacher of religious law, would he do the right thing? Not would he just know it, but would he do the right thing? A couple things I want to bring out as we're talking about this today. First of all, are we living by loving God and living by loving other people? The phrase I want to pick up on there is, are we living by doing these things? Are we having life by loving God and by loving our neighbor? Or are we just existing? We find life when we live by the words of Jesus to love God and to love our neighbor. Think about what it does to you when you do something good for someone. It makes you feel good inside, right? When you know that your life is pleasing the Lord, you feel like you can conquer the world, right? You go out and do what God has asked you to do. Well, the lawyer thought, I've answered this question really well. So he asked this question, who is my neighbor? Think about that for a moment. He was looking for the limit of who he should love. Not the fact that it should be everybody, but he was looking to, okay, what am I responsible? Who am I responsible to love? In other words, who am I obligated to love? He was looking for a way out, it sounds like. Well, I wanna take a look at this parable uh, a little closer with the four men that we see here. We know that there was a traveler. This is the man who was on his way uh, and he was beaten. He was robbed. Uh, he was stripped naked. There was also a Jewish priest. There was a Jewish Levite. And there was a Samaritan. Now, to get the proper context of all of this, um, to understand that Jesus was telling this story to a Jewish man who viewed Samaritans as, basically, Samaritans would defile the Jewish people. There was a lot of racial tension that went on uh, between these two groups. And so Jesus was bringing up a very strong point in here. Who is my neighbor? Let's continue with this. This race of people disgusted the Jews. Could this lawyer get past his knowledge of the command to find life by loving God and loving his neighbor? Could he get past that head knowledge to actually practicing this kind of love which would overcome the disgust that the Jewish people had for Samaritans? Real love is showing real love to people, even if they morally disgust us. I know this is a challenging thought as we're discussing this this morning. See, Jesus was telling this story to a Jewish man who viewed uh, this Samaritan as someone who would defile him. So in other words, they couldn't go to the temple because they would have been defiled by this Samaritan individual. The traveler had been beaten until he was half dead. The priest and the Levite, they didn't show compassion because he was stripped naked. He was beaten. He was half dead. And they were disgusted by what they saw. They didn't want to be defiled. 
by a couple of things. One, this guy had to be bloody, but he was a Samaritan. Kind of like a double jeopardy there almost. In two ways they would have been defiled. As you read through this text, you see that they went out of their way. They went around this man who was badly injured because they were disgusted. Second thing I want us to see today, objects of disgust, including people, can lead to hatred if left unchecked. I have to turn off the news. You may have to turn off the news of things that you hear from newscasters, politicians, what people are doing in the community, how people are reacting, because you can just get disgusted. God is love. He commanded us to love. He says, love God, love your neighbor, and you will live. So again, objects of disgust, including people, can lead to hatred if left unchecked. But believers, God is love, and he's commanded us to love as well. Thirdly, disgust can be a moral compass for us, but it cannot lead to hatred. We can be disgusted by sin and moral issues of our day. Again, disgust is an emotion that we can face, and it's good. It can be a moral compass for us, but it can't lead to hatred of people. We can be disgusted by behavior that doesn't please God, whether it be in our own lives or in the lives of other people. That may disgust us. It's kind of that moral compass that we're talking about because of the emotion. But the disgust cannot lead to hatred. I need to examine my heart, and I'm asking you to examine your heart today. Has there been an area of disagreement that has led to disgust that you see may be leading to hatred of a certain group of people? Fourthly, disgust can actually propel you to righteousness. I want to repeat that. Disgust can actually propel you towards righteousness. See, the Samaritan saw the man and he had compassion. He saw the very same man that the other Jewish leaders saw, a man who was beaten up, a man who was bloody, who was left for dead. But instead of going out of his way to avoid this man, instead he went to him. Let's pick up in verse 34 of Luke chapter 10. Let's see what this good Samaritan did. It says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and he took him to the inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Wow. Let's look at what this Samaritan did. First of all, he went to the man. Secondly, he bandaged his wounds. Thirdly, he put the man on his own animal, which means this Samaritan had to walk to the inn because he was giving this guy a ride on his own animal. Not only did he care for the man that first day, but then when he had to leave town, he left the innkeeper money and said, look, whatever it costs, take care of this guy. And if it costs you any more, I'll pay you when I get back. So the question is, who proved to be the neighbor of this man who was injured? The religious men or the Samaritan? 
I referenced Huey Hudson a couple of weeks ago. He's a friend of mine and a pastor in Alabama, and he says this, Love doesn't consider the worth of its object. It responds to human need. I want to read that again. Love doesn't consider the worth of its object. It responds to human need. We see that here in verse 36. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. See, he responded to the human need that was in front of him. Jesus told the man, now you go and you do the same. The lack of love is easy to justify, even though it may not be right. But I want to ask a question. Can any of you think, and I've been examining this, can any of us think of a biblical reason to not love someone? Our neighbor is anyone of any race, any creed, any social background, any political background, someone who may be different. But if they're in need, they're a neighbor to us. Love is acting to meet that need even those who may disgust us. These are definitely strange times that we're living in. We're seeing a lot, we're hearing a lot, we're exposed to a lot, but we cannot allow our emotions to overtake a biblical response to what we're hearing and seeing in these times. And so I wanna encourage you, be aware of this emotion of disgust that can just come in at times. And yes, allow it to be maybe a moral compass along the way, but always back that up with God's word and never allow it to lead to hating, hatred toward people. You see, God has given us this emotion and we're experiencing it, I'm sure, I've heard during these times. But you know, the right thing to do is to understand who our neighbor is, to love people, to love God with all that we have within us. I want to pray here in just a few moments, and we're going to have a few questions that are attached to the email that you received and that will be on the Facebook page that you can examine on your own, so I want you to do that as well. But before we get to all of that, I'm going to have Luke come and share in communion with us. You know, there's something about fellowship with our Father, with our Savior, Jesus, and the, the Holy Spirit makes all of that possible. So he's going to be sharing in communion with us. And if you haven't received your elements yet, pause the video, go get your communion elements that you can receive with us this morning and um, be able to partake of that and examine your heart. Is there anyone that you can think of that you have disgust towards, that you have maybe even hatred towards, and make it right with the Lord today. And then again, we're going to pray and we're going to go through these questions. You may do that with your family or on your own, but I want to encourage you today, love God and love people. I can't wait to see you again next week and let's enjoy communion together and a time of prayer. God bless you. Good morning, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that sermon from Pastor David about disgust. Um, we hope that you're all enjoying these sermons, um, and we can't wait until we're back together and able to do this in person. Before we go into communion, I just want to take a moment. Um, for anyone that might um, want to partake with communion, the Bible says that the only requirement for us to partake in communion is to already have accepted Jesus into your heart. 
So before we go into communion, if you feel like you're ready to accept Jesus in your heart, will you pray this with me? Dear Lord, thank you for sending your son Jesus to bless us with salvation. I understand that I am a sinner and in need of a Savior, and I repent of those sins today. I believe in my heart that he came to die for our sins and was resurrected. I accept him into my life as my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you prayed that today and accepted Jesus into your heart, will you let us know um, through email or text message? Send us a message on Facebook. We just want to celebrate with you, and we want to welcome you into what is the wonderful kingdom of God. So communion is how we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And we do this every first Sunday so that we never forget the price that he paid for us. In 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23, it says, For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Will you take a moment and partake of the bread? Going later into verse 23, it says, In the same way, also, he took the cup, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We take of the juice. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your sacrifice that you came and died for our sins. And that we get the opportunity to just um, remember you on a regular basis, God, for your sacrifice, Father. I ask that you just um, continue to work with us and help guide us into the right path, Father. That you are with us and you're giving us peace and you're calming our emotions in this season, Father. We can't wait until we're all in the same building to worship you again. And we look forward to that day. Well, we thank you all for taking the time to have communion with us and listening to this sermon. We hope that you all have a great week. We're praying for you. We miss you. And we'll see you next week.